Yeah, I mean, who do we vote for? The Democrat is going to blast me in the ass or the Republican is blasting my ass? Yeah, well, Patrick Mahomes would definitely not blast our asses, but I wonder if he would be able to pull enough electoral votes in the, uh, you know, the New England region. Uh, not a big fans of him there. Hmm. Uh, California, really not big fans of him Oh, he's made there. some enemies. No, I mean, no question about that. He's ripped some hearts out of people. He's done yeah. some stuff that, but at the end of the day, he's still so dang likable. Well, yeah, and I mean, he definitely would pull Texas, which is the second biggest state. So Good call. You got, you got a lot of electoral votes coming out of Texas. Although would, you don't think Houston would balance that out a little bit? Well, they definitely would be pretty salty. I mean, <laughs> they they definitely – but come on. I mean, you know, they – I feel like deep down, Houston, they claim him still, right? Like they, For sure. You know, like Texas, Texas they're – Yeah, Texas exactly. Football, all that stuff. Texans, they claim everything – that touches Texas. Anything that can be claimed by Texas is claimed by Texas. Good and point. By Texas. And things that can't be claimed by Texas are still. That's true. They still try and claim them. Um, I was thinking though, like, you know, he's made a lot of enemies. Like you said, he is a polarizing figure outside of middle America. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know, like maybe somebody like Mike Pinnell, do you think he'd, uh, he'd be electable? You know, like he's a, he's a blue collar guy. He's a, he's got multi-team appeal. You know, he's a former Patriot. So like, he's kind of, he can carry some different regions, blue collar guy, you know, down home, you know, just kind of that aw shucks kind of thing that sometimes plays in politics, you know, like a George W. Bush factor. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good thought that I hadn't thought of, which is that if if we're going to pick a chief, that's going to get elected, he's probably got to be someone that hasn't been a lifetime chief just to kind of pick up some other fan bases. Somebody's going to look at him and be like, Oh yeah, he used to be our guy. You know Um, I was thinking maybe the Badger would be a good call just based on, you know, he's got the motivational speaking part down. He clearly has made a lot of friends everywhere he's been. We would, you know, he'd have Arizona lockdown. He'd have Houston. He's a former Texan. Um, I definitely, I, I feel like, uh, honey badger would probably, uh, be one of the more popular candidates on the team for sure. We got a hell of a health plan for you, dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His voice is, uh, it's hilarious, but, uh, I don't know. There's also, you know, I feel like the people have really, really latched on to Nicole Hardman. Uh, yeah. Okay. The jet. And sure. He's, he's very social on Twitter and he's good in front of the camera he's always dressing up he, he's his a costume game player. is very strong yeah his costume game is very strong the south loves him because he went to georgia and everything he uh maybe maybe like a ticket of honey badger and mccall hardman possibly sure yeah i mean that seems very electable plus you got an offensive player defensive player you know you you got both sides of the ball represented Who do you think I, is the least electable chief uh <laughs> that's a great question gosh uh who would be the least i mean electable chief? unfortunately Tyreek's got to be high up on the list. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, probably yeah. number one. We love him, yeah. obviously, but I yeah, can't Tyreek's imagine. Yeah, Tyreek's made a lot of enemies due to his play on the field, and then, yeah. Yeah, Tyreek would have a tough time. Um, I also was thinking Darwin Thompson is hilariously unelectable. He's like, I don't know if you've heard him give interviews and stuff, but he kind of bounces around, and he's not very articulate, and he's really like, I don't know. Yeah, I find him hilarious, but I definitely think he would uh, – people would be like who is this guy (laughs) what is going on in here (laughs) sammy also obviously sammy would be a a very polarizing elect election you know we could almost have turned this into a discussion of which presidential candidates are chiefs players because there's a really obvious one for sammy uh i don't know if you remember her candidacy 
But Marianne Williamson nice. is I love literally that. like the presidential candidate version of Sammy Watkins. And she was not electable. She did not do well. No. But she did have some some viral tweets, uh, you know, some some pretty crazy out there. I'm a space alien, space alien energy kind of stuff. Um, right up yeah. his alley. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that would be quite a ticket. They're probably... Uh, yeah, they're probably solar beings of a similar similar ilk. Obviously, uh, Frank Clark would be a fun one to get out on the campaign trail, get talking, you know, get some interviews down. Definitely would make oh my God. some great quotes and some some very uh, – he would be a fun guy to track. Yeah, he is bombastic. And he's got the multi-team appeal. You know, he's got the Seattle yeah. connection. He could maybe try and help carry the uh, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, got some left coast votes in there. Yeah, right, exactly. And uh I don't know where is he from? He where did he grow? Well, he's from LA. So, uh that's right. I do remember that cuz he's he's a big Kobe guy. Oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you got you got all those left coast states. Now, of course, again, you got to contend with the uh the Salty Niners electorate and the the former Salty Raiders and Salty Chargers electorate. Oh, I there's mean, there's a lot of salt got, for us to deal we, with. <laughs> We got a lot of enemies in California. We got a lot. It is a mess down there. Who would be the most milk toast guy to run? Just very cardboard cookie cutter. Uh, Harrison Bucker. Nice. Who literally looks like a cardboard cutout of a politician. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, he literally like, yeah. I mean, you could put him up there. I mean, to be honest with you, he's extremely electable because of that. Like, I mean, sure. He's like generic white dude. He's always very, you know, he he looks big, very bright cool. smile. Yep, very made up. You know, he's got he's got his great signature move with the arm. You he know, does. The arm thing, you know, lining it up the kick up. with the arm. You know, he could he could like line line it up when he goes out on the stage. You know, do the lineup thing. You know, flash that grin. You know, maybe some finger guns. I would love to see. I would love to see a debate with those guys. You know, maybe debate the issues a little bit. Uh, Colquitt would would have been my runner up for sure. Both of the special teams guys are like pretty well-spoken, you know, very clean cut, all American image. You know who would have been a great candidate back Who's in the that? day? Alex Smith. Dang. I, I feel like Alex Smith was elected to some public office of some kind, and we just hadn't heard I mean, about we, it. I mean, we, he sent is... him off to, we sent him to Washington, D.C. <laughs> Mr. Smith goes to Washington. <laughs> he, was elected, he was elected quarterback of the Washington Redskins. Good point. And Poor he guy. was ousted. Alas, R.I.P. It wasn't really ousted. His, yeah, his that's true. bone was ousted from his leg. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sure was. Poor guy. So what if we have like a ticket on the left of Tyron Matthew and McCole Hardman and they go up against a ticket on the right of Dustin Colquitt and Harrison Butker? Either way, man, Chiefs 2020. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to week four of It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. I'm Austin. I'm Taylor. And we got a great show on tap for you today. We're going to talk week three, 2019 season, Baltimore in Kansas City, Lamar Jackson, 0-2 against Patrick Mahomes. We'll talk through that game. We're also going to talk about the top threats. Ha, ha, ha. Threats in quotes. Yes, exactly. 
hand quotes there, top threats, threats, laser beams to the Kansas City Chiefs potential dynasty. We'll go AFC West action first. We'll talk through some top threats in the AFC and we'll spin through the NFC real quick. Then we figured we'd maybe close it out with a little QB talk. That's been a hot topic lately where the uh, the quarterback carousel is going to go. We're not going to use quarterback carousel because I feel like that's like maybe an around the NFL thing. Like I think they may have a patent on that. They maybe slapped a patent on that. Uh, so I don't think we can get into that specific terminology, but we're going to talk about quarterbacks, where they are, where we think they're going to go, how it affects the Chiefs. All right, so first up, we'll talk about that Baltimore game. That was uh, quite the up-and-down game. The Chiefs obviously jumped out pretty comfortable lead. Baltimore comes charging back. What, what do you remember the most about that game, thinking back on it? I mean, what I remember about that game is 3-0, and Patrick Mahomes 2-0 against the Ravens. And really, aside from some late kind of theatrics, uh, both with the referees and with Lamar Jackson just frankly making some terrible decisions that just happened to work out, um, that game wasn't really that close. It was kind of one of those things where, you know, going back to 2018, obviously that Ravens game was one of the standouts of the 2018 season, especially how it ended, fourth and nine. But they gave them, they gave us a hell of a game two years ago. And I think what, what I took away from it, what I remember about that game is how easy it was. And it did get a little close at the end, but then as the year progressed and the Ravens sort of developed into this unstoppable juggernaut until they ran into the Tennessee Titans. Um, this was a, a win that you could look back on throughout the year and say, we're really good. You're definitely right that the chiefs didn't seem overmatched or even evenly matched for most of that game. And um, obviously the two times they've played Lamar Jackson at home or the, the two times they've played Lamar Jackson, they've been at home. Uh, but it was definitely a, uh, you know, they moved the ball easy on a Ravens defense that has been known to be stingy, but certainly in the Lamar era has not been uh, the Ray Lewis defense by any means. And then uh, they, they buckled up when they had to, they really shut Lamar who is a extremely dynamic player uh, they only kept him to the one ridiculously cool rushing touchdown that he had where he juked everybody out of their shoes. But other than that play, um, you know, they were really on top of their game for the whole four quarters. You know what, uh, thinking about it, you know, what stood out to me about the opening series of this game was the Ravens scored a touchdown on the first drive of the game and they went for two. And they went for it on fourth down four times in this game. They went three out of four on fourth down conversions. They went for two, I think, a couple of times. Three times. have to go back and look. Three times in this game. And I don't think they converted any of them. They did not. They were 0 for 3 on third down conversions. And our other opponents this year were three out of six in all other games. Interesting. So I remember, I mean, this obviously was a big buzz on the broadcast because, you know, analytics going for it on fourth down, it's still kind of one of those things that, I mean, the, the Ravens shout out to them really brought that conversation into the forefront. I feel like on route to their 14 and two number one seed one and done in the playoff season. Um, and I'm all for it. I think, I mean, you and I are on the same page here. I think, you know, the numbers say you should go for it on fourth down, should go for two a lot more often than NFL teams do. And certainly we saw the Ravens game plan here uh, was to be aggressive, was to sort of force the issue. Unfortunately for them, it backfired in a sense because they came out, they scored a touchdown, they scored first in the game. And then 
they botched the two point conversion. Botch job. Botch job. Botch job. Uh, and then they ended up in a 23 to six hole at halftime. Um, in part because they just, they, they didn't convert that conversion in the end zone. They didn't get the two points and just kind of, uh, snowballed from there. Well, it's a tough scene when you lose three, two point conversions and you lose the game by five. That's, yes. uh, that math yeah. doesn't really, uh, yeah. do, do many good things for you, but yeah, yeah it was, I think it was half Baltimore's aggressive and analytically minded play calling and also half the team that they were playing. I mean, I, let's not forget that this Chiefs team makes people play differently, as we've yes. discussed before. And you, you, every team that goes into Arrowhead should be going for two on most touchdowns. And that's not – and, and other than the analytics that say that you should go for two a lot, you need to keep pressure on this Chiefs team as much as you can on offense. And uh, I think that that was very apparent after the last time they had played. Uh, John Harbaugh came into this and said, you know, we're not going to – we're going to have to score points with them if we're going to have to beat them. And every time we score a touchdown, I'm going for two. It was a mindset. It was, uh, you know, definitely um, one strategy, one way to approach it. And if they had converted a couple more of those two-point conversions and, you know, ball falls a little different way, they definitely could have come out of Arrowhead with a win and uh, – you know, obviously they were a great team all year. So just didn't work out for him that day as it so happens to not work out for Lamar against Patrick Mahomes. Um, both times he's played him so far. Did you catch when they were interviewing him uh, this last week? And he said, I hate playing against Patrick Mahomes and I don't even play defense. I did see that. I did see that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun stuff for sure. How about Mark Ingram this game? By far yeah. his best game of the season. He was uh shout out to your, your fantasy players that way yeah, we're shouting he, him out. He helped me out quite a bit this year, uh, most especially in week three. But you know, he was uh he was good piece for them until he fell apart in the playoffs because he was old. Yeah, he's old. And you know, I mean, I, I think what's really fascinating about his role on the team, I mean, just the Ravens offense generally. I mean, the way that they've built this whole offense. And the way that they were able to, you know, this is kind of, this game was the start of, you know, us going 3-0, and and then ultimately, I think we started 4-0, is that right? Started 4-0, and and then had the yep. situations. I mean, this game, we talked about it a little bit with, uh, with the Raiders last week, and Josh Jacobs, and having some success on the ground. This was the game that really, even though we ended up winning, caused some freakouts about the defense. Um, I mean, there were always going to be freakouts. There were some freakouts in Jacksonville in the second half when Gardner Mean Shoe was doing his thing. Uh, there were some freakouts in the first quarter against Oakland when they were racking up yards and they got out to a 10 to nothing lead. And there were freakouts in this game, not only in the first half when it seemed like we just couldn't stop the run, even though uh, we were keeping them out of the end zone. Uh, but then in the second half, when we actually forced them to pass because they were in, you know, a two score deficit, you know, some of the plays they were making really in garbage time. I know the score ended up being pretty close. Uh, there were a lot of concerns about the defense in this game. Yeah. Not only garbage time, but garbage plays. Absolute yes. prayers. Oh my God. I mean, yes. back foot throws into double coverage that Willie Sneed would come down with or whatever. I mean, it was not, it did not look like the Chiefs defense was getting cut up. It just looked like the ball kept bouncing Baltimore's ways there in the fourth quarter enough to make it somewhat of a game. But of course, when push came to shove and when the Chiefs offense gets the ball back up five with two minutes left after Baltimore just marched down the field and scored and they needed to bleed out the rest of the clock, they were able to run the ball and then they capped it off with that nice little screen pass. Daryl Williams was a dude this game. He had a great game. His best game as a Chief. Um, you know, he was, this was when we didn't really know 
what was going on in the running game, really. There was Daryl Williams and LaShawn McCoy. Damian Williams had gotten hurt um, the previous game against Oakland. So it was very uh, touch and go with the Chiefs' backfield. But Daryl stepped up and had 62 yards rushing, including that 41-yarder. He had 47 yards receiving, including the game-clinching screen pass. I, I definitely felt good about the Chiefs' run game after this game uh, compared to where I thought it was going into it. Well, not just the run game, but the offense as a whole. This is, um, you know, getting into the the Lions game next week and then the Colts game and the Texans game where the wheels started to fall off a little bit. Now Eric Fisher was not in the lineup. Tyree Kill was not in the lineup. And those are two pretty vital linchpins of the Chiefs offense. Certainly. But Patrick Mahomes, unlike uh, in a couple of weeks when he tweaks his ankle again against the Colts, Patrick Mahomes, despite what happened in week one, was pretty healthy in this game. He was pretty mobile in this game. I mean, like he he looked like Patrick Mahomes in this game. And so without Tyree Kill, without who obviously was a huge part of the win in 2018, you know, obviously making the catch on fourth and nine and bringing them back in that game. Without Tyree Kill, without Eric Fisher against a really a pretty good pass rush would ended up being one of the best pass rushes in the NFL over the course of the season. And I think the team that blitzed at by far the highest rate in the league, if memory serves, uh, Baltimore was on defense. Uh, we saw him pass for 374 yards without Tyreek Hill, without his left left tackle, and really made it look easy. And the run game, too, uh, gutting it out, uh, being able to get those tough yards at the end of the game and close the game out. I mean, this was a game where, like I said, this was a game that throughout the year, even when things got bad, got a little dicey there for a little bit, you could come back to this win and say, this was a pretty complete game by the Chiefs. I mean, garbage time kind of notwithstanding, but but overall defensively, especially when you see what Baltimore would become offensively the rest of the year, they did a good job really in all phases. Yeah, that was my takeaway is as Baltimore kept stacking wins and getting better and better and kind of being the the team to beat in the NFL, I kept looking back at this game going, man, this Chiefs team that was banged up that you know, Baltimore hit a couple miracle passes. Now they did miss, I remember some long passes too. So there was kind of, they had, they had a hit and miss there with their with their deep passing game. Well, that's what happens when you have a running back throwing the ball. Oh, yikes. But, yeah, no, you're right. Um, and it did – they looked better and better as Baltimore got better and better. This win kept becoming more and more important, not only for the confidence of the team, but also for playoff seeding and for, you know, talking about beating playoff caliber teams. Every time the Chiefs could look at their resume that so far that year and say, well, we beat the best team in the NFL. So if we can do that, we can beat any of these jokers. So uh, it was it was encouraging. I loved what I saw out of Nicole Hardman that game on that one gigantic 83-yard touchdown catch where he kind of looked back over his shoulder and caught the ball with both hands. It was really interesting. I don't see many wide receivers when the ball is coming in over their shoulder turn their whole upper body to the ball. Yeah. And, and he grabbed that, and as soon as he did, I mean, dude looked like the fastest player on the, in the field by a mile. And burned past the Baltimore defense. The camera was shaking, I remember, when he was going down the sideline and the afterburners. And it was just a – it was a reminder that although we didn't have Tyreek Hill, we still had the Legion of Zoom. And uh, that that Nicole Hardman, after the long touchdown he caught against the Raiders the week before, was kind of showing that big playability that he would continue to show throughout the year. You know, we're going to get into the, the dark times here pretty soon, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. But I just want to, we've been talking about some of the snap counts and some of the roles that various players were playing. The Chiefs leading receiver 
in a couple of weeks is going to be Byron Pringle uh, against the Colts. Byron Pringle in this game with Tyreek Hill out had two snaps, which was 3% of the offensive snaps. He had one catch for seven yards. And so we're going to see in a couple of weeks when we take a look at the Colts game, just how much it takes to make Patrick Mahomes look like an average player or make him look not elite, I should say. I mean, not even necessarily average, but for him to not look like an elite quarterback, you have to take so much away. I mean, people talk about, oh, he's got so many weapons. He's got Andy Reid. You know, like if Patrick Mahomes has a healthy ankle and himself, you know, I mean, he he's an elite player. It doesn't matter who he's throwing the ball to. And frankly, he got some pretty good production out of Byron Pringle with, you know, a tweaked ankle against the Colts. It's just some other stuff kind of broke the wrong way that game. But without Tyree Kill, without his left tackle, he was getting it done. And you can tell just because the, the Chiefs never really had the one guy that was on the receiving end of everything that Pat did. Now, obviously, I think you would point to Kelsey as being the biggest threat in the passing game or the most consistent at least. But, I mean, it was Sammy, it was Pringle, it was it was Hardman. And this game, D-Rob had that spectacular one-handed catch going across the end zone that when he caught that after the huge game he had against Oakland the week before, I just remember thinking like, man, if D-Rob can get it going and Sammy had three touchdowns two weeks ago and Tyreek Hill's going to come back and we still have Travis Kelsey. I mean, it was obviously it still worked out enough to where the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in case you don't remember that, but uh, it didn't really turn out that all of these guys, everyone always talks about Pat has the best weapons in the league. It's kind of like all of his weapons go off a couple times a year. But it's not really that they're just consistently, you know, D-Rob didn't put up a consistent 50 yards a game or anything like that. It was just he, every when Pat needed him, when he put him in the number one spot, Pat could deliver that ball. Uh, the last thing I did want to talk about on this game was Frank Clark, because um, if you remember, we didn't really know what we were going to get out of Frank Clark. He was the Frank big the acquisition, Clark Frank the Clark shark. He, uh, he was not a shark by that point. He was just Frank, the disappointment. And uh, through three games had the one sack, four solo tackles and a quarterback hit. It was insanely disappointing so far. And uh, you know, the, obviously he turned it around with his sickness and everything, but. And when he got out and got healthy towards the end of the year and got to back it up and got to give those interviews to James Palmer, where he was basically pulling receipts live on the sideline and cussing people out, that was just glorious. It was glorious. He's awesome. I mean, he really is. Once he's once he has that swagger and he's actually producing, uh, I've there haven't been too many people that are more fun to be on your defense than Frank Clark. Agreed. So let's transition. You want to reignite the rivalry? Yes, let's reignite the rivalry. <laughs> let's let's do it. Who do you want to start with? Who do you want to reignite the rivalry with? Well, there are so many choices. Um, you know, there the AFC West is just littered with the bodies of the people that the chiefs have destroyed for the last since, since Andy Reid took over. And it's, we want them to all be rivals because it's fun. And because, you know, there, there are no three better games on the Chiefs' schedule than Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers. But that being said, man, who's, who's the second dog in the AFC West right now? You know, we're going to talk about the AFC generally and the NFC too. And for me, what makes, a good NFL team. I mean, there's kind of like four main areas that you're looking at. Number one is the front office. I'm not saying number one in, in importance, but you just listing them numerically. So you've got sure. the front office, 
you've got your head coach and I do consider those, you know, player personnel and actual coaching to be different kind of categories. So you got your front office, your coaching staff, you got your quarterback, and then you've got everything else. And when you look around the AFC West and you're trying to figure out where the chief's competition is going to come from, what makes it so tough is what team in the AFC West has even three out of four of those things going for him. Man, you know, let's, I mean, let's hit him. Yeah, sure. Let's start with uh, let's start with Oakland. Oakland's my pick for most likely rival, I guess, going forward, um, which is a joke because we just roasted Derek Carr last week. And I don't think that the, the Raiders are ever going to be a serious threat to the Chiefs with Derek Carr. And they certainly are not ever going to go deep in the playoffs uh, with Derek Carr. I do think the Raiders could maybe turn into, say, the Alex Smith Chiefs. I see that as kind of maybe their ceiling. Um, I think they do have – they did have a great – a good draft class last year. I don't want to say a great draft class because they had a lot of draft capital. Um, I don't know that their ability to turn that draft capital into, you know, I mean, they had three first round picks, right? Uh, pretty hard to screw that up. And honestly, they probably could have done better. You know, Cleveland Farrell was Woof. mostly a bust last year, you know, um, third overall pick or fourth overall pick, whatever that was. They have two first round picks again. And, you know, I've seen people mocking Patrick Queen and Jerry Judy, you know, wide receiver and, uh, and linebacker to them certainly would give them a big boost in talent. Um, but the quarterback, and then you have John Gruden and Mike Mayock. I, I, I honestly, is John Gruden the best head coach in the AFC West that isn't Andy Reid? That that seems ridiculous, but like I can't it's disprove such, it. It's such a low bar that like he probably is the best remaining coach in the AFC West, and probably a bottom ten coach in the NFL. And it it just says a lot about the huge coaching gap between the chiefs and the other three teams oh, it's because ridiculous uh, because you know anthony lynn i i've never really been a fan of the decision making that he's had or really right. he's he seems to screw up with a lot of talent just like i guess every chargers coach for a <laughs> long time but he's no different and uh you know vic fangio uh, i didn't like at all what i saw out of him the first year he was supposed to be some defensive guru and they looked overmatched pretty much every game and uh I think that you've got two coaches there that don't really know what they're doing. And then you have Gruden that used to know what he's doing. Right. And yes. I guess, yeah. I guess if he used to know and they never knew, then you probably right. got to go with him. But like, ugh. better a has been than it never was. But, but yeah, Fangio, I think the Broncos, I don't remember how many weeks it was that they went without a sack or an interception. The but first they five weeks yeah, of the they, season. They basically set an NFL record did. for most games to start a season without a sack or an interception. And you're talking about a team that had the vaunted, you know, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Chris Harris Jr., you know, trio. Uh, that's not good. That's not good at all. Um, I think, you know, Denver, they probably have the – they're probably closest – maybe on the QB aspect of it, right? Like they have Drew Locke. So they have a, they have a somewhat promising young quarterback. The mm -hmm. Raiders don't have a promising quarterback and he's not young. And the Chargers literally don't have a quarterback. Like their quarterback right now is Tyrod Taylor. So I guess if we're looking at quarterbacks, it's the Broncos by default. But when we're talking about these two categories and I said, I wasn't going to rank them in importance earlier. I think the two most important categories are quarterback and head coach. Yeah. And in those two categories, we are 
so far ahead <laughs> of the rest of the AFC West. I mean, we're lapping the field. It's outrageous. It is. Um, and it's, it's really fun because especially to win that quarterback conversation, yes. because the chiefs perennially were the team that had a lot of these pieces, but never had the best quarterback. And it's just, I think, I think it's quarterback one coach two, and I guess the rest of the roster and the uh, front office are kind of hand in hand because the yeah, front office builds the rest of the yeah, roster. Exactly. So I would put them tied for third uh, front office wise, you know, between Mayock like, and John Elway, there are some characters in these front offices, but Brett Veach is a superstar compared to these guys. Yeah. And I would say almost, I mean, like I would almost say the chargers would get my vote here, both for front office and rest of the roster, just because they, there's a reason the Chargers have buzz going into every season, and it's because they have a lot of really good players. Sure. And if you go back two decades, really, um, the Chargers have had a lot of really, really good players. You know, LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Merriman for a while, and uh, they brought Antonio in – Antonio Gates. Yeah, Antonio and, yeah. Gates. You know, they, they brought in a lot of players, and now, you know, you've got Keenan Allen, you've got Austin Eckler, you've got Melvin Gordon, you've got um, – their safety derwin james you know just a, a a lot of really talented players in the secondary there and telesco's been there since what like 2013 i think i want to say or 14 or something i mean yeah, he's, he's had a good while, yeah. five or six five or six years and so i mean they've they've had a chance to build the roster the way they want to um and if they get a quarterback i do think that they've got a legitimate case as the second best team in the afc west but you know you got to get the quarterback first you got to get the quarterback first and it doesn't feel like they're in the running for any of the, I, I'd say this draft, it feels like there's two elite quarterback prospects, Tua and Burrow. And it doesn't feel like realistically they have either chance, a chance at either of those guys. I mean, certainly not Burrow because he's going to go with the first overall right. pick. And Tua, it seems like the Dolphins at five, but the Dolphins certainly have more draft capital if they needed to move up to stay ahead of the Chargers, they could, you know, um, it's just hard to see. And the thing about the thing about the NFL is, you know, your windows are so small. If you, if you don't have a franchise quarterback and an elite head coach, you really are hoping to get all of the pieces to line up in like a single season yeah, and, or, you know, just a couple of seasons. And you're hoping that that when that season comes, when your window is there, that you don't have, you know, a freak injury to your quarterback or, you know, your star defensive player. And the Chargers really, I mean, really with everybody in the AFC West, I feel like the Raiders kind of have that young core coming up, the Broncos too. The Chargers are already there. They have the roster. Uh, they just don't, they don't have a quarterback. I'll disagree with you there for a second because let me name you the top five, in my opinion, best offensive players for the Chargers last season. Okay. Okay. So it was in any order. It was Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, Hunter Henry, and Philip Rivers. I, I don't think there was anyone on the offense that was better than that than those five. That's okay? fair. And four of them are departing free agents. Ooh, Only well. Keenan Allen remains on that of that core five. Fair so enough. Hunter Henry's gonna go and Eckler. Now Eckler is an uh, exclusive rights free agent, which means that the Chargers will get a chance to match any offer and keep him. If they tender him for uh, whatever the offer will be that the NFL sets, then they can keep Eckler. So Eckler will probably be a Charger. But um, other than him, you know, Melvin Gordon gone and Hunter Henry gone and Phillip Rivers gone. So I, 
I do think that they've got a little bit more rebuilding than maybe the Charger fan that's out there thinks that they do. <laughs> but um, it, it's just so hard because this bar is so low for all three of these teams. It really is. And, you know, I, I hate to give any credit to the Broncos or their fans because they are super crazy and probably the most delusional fan base in the entire NFL. They they definitely have they they definitely have an argument for you know like if you want to look at the world through your your orange tinted glasses you know you feel like okay the defense yeah it's taken a huge step back from 2015 I mean the thing about Broncos fans is they think that every defense they roll out every year is going to be the 2015 Broncos defense and it's not that was five years ago yeah. like five years is an eternity in the NFL. Lots of teams have flown on that no fly zone since then. Yes, exactly. It is a fly zone now. You know, they they had that whole thing going. It's no more. Uh, although they did make a, a trade acquisition today. They got uh, they got AJ Boye, so another guy for Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and company to roast. I'd say. I, I mean, you know, like if you if you dream a little bit and you think that Drew Lock might become say an above average player, they, they could be okay. I mean, they could be a second yeah. place team, but again, I feel like unless Drew Locke unexpectedly from, from my vantage point becomes a true superstar. I mean, we don't really have to worry about them. So let's talk about the AFC because the AFC West, we're going to rule it for years to come. We're going to just Lord over it. Let's talk about the rest of the AFC. So we went through, we each went through and uh, picked three teams, our top three challengers to the Chiefs within the conference, within the AFC. What's your, what's your number three choice? Well, you know, you got to think about um, the first thing that I thought about in an AFC rivalry is, well, who was the last AFC title game? That was kind of my default, you know, because they both got deeper in the playoffs than everybody sure. else in the AFC. And depending on how the, Titans handle the departure of Derrick Henry and their quarterback situation where both Tannehill and Mariota are free agents. So they really two of the most important pieces on offense are, are question marks for them. I, I like Mike Vrabel a lot as a head coach and I like the way that they've kind of built that team. And I just felt like if, if I'm thinking about everybody in the AFC, the AFC title game is a good place to start. Yeah, I think that's fair. I didn't have Tennessee on my list because of the, questions at quarterback although supposedly and we'll talk about this in our next segment supposedly they're maybe one of the teams that could be in on Tom Brady uh Vrabel and Tom Brady facetiming at the Syracuse game a couple of days ago so certainly two guys that share a relationship Tom Brady's not going to Tennessee though <laughs> I know but I, I do think there are some pretty significant question marks there but they're going to be question marks about I mean what's significant is that 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 was your number three choice yes and yes. They, they don't have a quarterback yes <laughs> and if they do have a quarterback it's going to be Ryan Tannehill <laughs> I think it will be too we're going to get to uh, our guesses on the quarterback moves this offseason but I do think they bring Tannehill back for the record so my number three was Houston and what Houston has going for it, I mean, another team that we saw in the 2019 playoffs, 2019-2020 playoffs, uh, who we defeated after being down 24 to nothing, uh, they have a Bill O'Brien problem. But when I was selecting teams for this exercise, I thought, well, what could Houston be if Bill O'Brien got fired and they replaced him with somebody that's actually 
a good NFL head coach? And the answer to that is they could be pretty dang scary. Like if, uh, if there was some kind of like weird freaky Friday body switching thing where like Andy Reed and Bill O'Brien like switched bodies, like the Texans would be pretty scary. Like I, I, I mean, I don't know that they have quite the same depth that we have. I definitely think defensively they, they don't have the creativity that we have. Romeo Cornell is their defensive coordinator or was, I think he was let go. Um, and they've been pretty top heavy on defense. Like, you know, it seems like whenever JJ Watt gets hurt, which unfortunately has been <laughs> a, a pretty regular thing, which is too bad. Cause we all love JJ Watt. Uh, it seems like whenever that happens, their defense kind of just completely falls apart, but Deshaun Watson is an amazing player still on his rookie deal, although they're going to have to pay him soon. I'm actually a little bit surprised. We haven't heard more Deshaun Watson contract talks since, you know, that the Pat talk is all over the place, but um, if they ever got rid of Bill O'Brien, I, I feel like they could be pretty good. So that was my pick for number three. Well, I also want to say that one reason that they won't get rid of Bill O'Brien is because he has the best job security in the world because he's his own boss. So yeah, that's true. They, you know, who's, he's not going to march down to his own office and tell him to pack up his papers. I mean, that's uh, you know, so I think the Bill O'Brien being a coach and a general manager is hilarious to me. Like their worst, probably their biggest weakness as an organization is they're both general manager and head coach. It's a, I would be <laughs> worrying a lot if I was a Houston fan and that was my leadership on that team. Uh, but you, moving on or yeah, yeah. I, I just had one other thought on Houston. Did you know that Houston, the AFC South, every team in the AFC has South has made uh, an AFC championship game since Bill O'Brien took over in Houston, except for Houston. An AFC championship game. Yes. Oh, yeah, because Jacksonville yeah, was there, Jacksonville, obviously. The Tennessee, and Tennessee, yeah. And, and sure. Indianapolis have all made it, and Houston has never made it um, to the AFC championship game in their entire history. So even though they've been to the playoffs, I think more times than any other team in that division uh, in the in, under Bill O'Brien's tenure, and they certainly have the most division titles, uh, they have never made it to an AFC championship game and Tennessee and Jacksonville have. So you hate to see it. You, you really do. My number two in the AFC was the aforementioned Houston Texans. So we've kind of already, uh, you know, hit that nail a, a bunch. Uh, I do think though, that between Deshaun and Will Fuller and obviously Deandre Hopkins, I mean, they've got firepower. And when I think about rivals, I think about, if, if you can't stop a couple of these guys, you're going to lose no matter how good you are. And there's really only a couple teams that have that type of firepower that can go with the chiefs and Houston's certainly on that list. So that, that was kind of my, their, their ceiling on offense is really, really high. And that's what I look for in a conference rival. What about your number two? So my number two was another AFC South team. We've hit, uh, we've hit three out of the four of the AFC South teams. I picked, I picked Indianapolis and it's weird that I'm picking Indianapolis as number two because their quarterback in 2019 was Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. They went seven and nine. There was a ton of hype surrounding the Colts coming into the 2019 season because, you know, they, they brought in Frank Reich. Uh, they had, they went, I believe either it was 10 and six or 11 and five. They, I think they went 10 and six. They finished second in the South behind the Texans. Then they beat the Texans in a playoff game. They came to Arrowhead and there was a lot of hype surrounding the Colts coming at Arrowhead. And then we beat the crap out of them. (laughs) Andrew Luck retired. (laughs) And suddenly here we are all sleeping on the Colts. And 
when you look at those four factors that, that we were talking about earlier, the head coach, the front office, the quarterback, and the rest of the roster, they have three out of four. I mean, Chris Ballard, former, uh, former Chiefs uh, personnel guy, running the show there, doing an amazing job. Frank Reich, frankly, uh, of all the guys that came out of Philly after they won the Super Bowl, seems like he's, he's put together the best post-Philly career. And I'm including Doug Peterson in that. I mean, like Frank yeah. Reich appears to have been the brains of that operation uh, between him, uh, Doug Peterson, John Filippo. So you're saying Frank's the brains? Frank is the brains. Frank's the brains. Jacoby <laughs> Brissett is the muscle. I, I don't know. I guess. I, yeah. I guess. Uh, it they, falls apart after that, but Frank was definitely the brains. <laughs> Frank was definitely the brains. Uh, they have a really strong roster, top to bottom. They have a lot of good young pieces. They had a draft a couple of years ago where they just absolutely hustled the Jets. The Jets moved up to take Sam Darnold, and they got like three second-round picks out of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, to move down like four spots and they got Quentin Nelson, who's like the best offensive lineman in the league. And then they got a bunch of other guys too. I mean, they just, they killed that draft. They have a lot of draft capital. It seems like every year, the problem is they don't have a quarterback. So there's been some, some talk that Phillip Rivers could land there. And so that might make them, you know, kind of dangerous for a season or two. I still think, you know, obviously at this stage of his career, Phillip Rivers isn't a superstar quarterback he's not going to be the guy that gets you over the hump. So it's kind of like the Alex Smith chiefs, right? Where you kind of need everything else to break your way in order to win a championship. Like I, I think Alex could have won a title with the chiefs, but you know, it was like, okay, Justin Houston got hurt. I guess we're not winning the super bowl this year or uh, Jamal Charles got hurt. I guess we're not winning the super bowl this year. You know, the, the margin for error was just so slim. And unless they get a quarterback of their very own, I mean, you know, but, but maybe if they get, and we'll talk about the quarterback situation, you know, maybe, maybe Tom Brady, maybe Phil Rivers. Oh, I've um, got a good solution for their quarterback situation. Oh, I'm, I can't wait I'm to hear teasing it, it but oh, uh, nice. it's none of the guys I, I, you've mentioned so far. I hope it's Jameis Winston, but I <laughs> will, we'll talk about it. So you're number one. I assume that we have the same number one. <laughs> Most certainly. How could you okay. pick any team yeah, other sure. than the Baltimore so it, Ravens? Yeah, it's, it's Baltimore. Um, you just, you, you give me your thoughts on Baltimore. Well, there's, you know, they're uh, very obvious in the areas that they're better than the other teams in the AFC. Um, they sustained a ton of success last year. They beat people in their own way, the way that uh, people aren't really prepared for or that really build a roster to stop, which, you know, it, it's kind of gimmicky. It's kind of like the 14-15 uh, the Royals where you run into this team that doesn't do things the way everybody else does. And they kind of take you for surprise a little by surprise a little bit, but uh, uh, it works for them. It works really, really well for them. Obviously they won 14 games. Now it remains to be seen how this formula translates to the playoffs. It's been such a small sample size that I wouldn't be surprised if they do have a sustained playoff run. I know everybody likes to make fun of Lamar for his own two playoff start, but uh, you know, they've got the personnel. They've uh, they've got a quarterback that just won MVP that uh, while I'm not sure about his, sustained success in the future I do know that he's pretty dangerous today and if I had to line up against every team in the AFC as they're currently constructed who would I think the Chiefs on a neutral field have the the least chance to beat it would be Baltimore yeah I mean I think that's obviously I mean that's the obvious choice um they kind of check all the boxes they do have a, a fairly strong roster top to bottom uh good uh front office staff they carried over from Ozzie Newsome. I can't remember the name of their current GM, but I know he was under Ozzie for a long time. 
uh, team that drafts well. John Harbaugh, obviously a guy that has really embraced analytics and is from the Andy Reid tree. So, I mean, you certainly have a strong coaching pedigree there. And then depending on what you think of Lamar, things that are undisputable about Lamar, he just won an MVP. He's a year younger than Patrick Mahomes. He's still on his rookie contract. You know, how he develops and progresses because I think the way that teams play him uh, is going to evolve. I think, you know, the way that uh, Baltimore's offense uh, the the way that the league responds to it, the defenses respond to it, I think is going to be really interesting. But he certainly has the raw physical ability, and he definitely has made some strides as a passer. I think what you said about you know the the way they play the game is really interesting. I, I've heard them compared before. I can't remember who's who said this. It's almost like facing a knuckleball pitcher in baseball, right? Like nice. it's just really hard to prepare like you're thinking about a week of practice as an NFL team and what's funny about it is the Chiefs are almost the same way now obviously the way that those two teams attack you is very different but they both have such unique talents that they have kind of built their offense around that it would be really hard to game plan for it I mean imagine running a scout team for the Chiefs and you've got to have your backup quarterback go out and pretend to be Patrick Mahomes, right? Or you have to go out and find the fastest guy in your team who probably plays like cornerback or is like a kick returner, and he has to go out and pretend to be Tyree Kill, right? Like, he's not going to be out there running Jet Chip Wasp, you know, to perfection. Uh, you're not going to have, you know, when the, the Chiefs played the Patriots, I remember Brian Hoyer was the scout team QB, right? Like he was the one pretending to be Patrick Mahomes. And it's the same way with the Ravens. Like they, they do just have Lamar is such a unique talent that I do think that it it has been very hard for teams to prepare for him. Um, I do think, I do think that that's going to calm down a little bit, right? Like I think the more times teams see the Ravens and see Lamar and they get game reps against them, I think that is going to help teams a little bit, but obviously, I mean, there are some things as with Mahomes and his arm and his improvisational ability, there are just going to be times when Lamar makes you look like an idiot because certainly as a runner, he just has such unique talent. Well, and Lamar had all that time at Louisville and nobody really seemed to figure him out there. And, you know, there, those teams were playing him every year. And I, it's, it's something about, his elusiveness is not just, he's not just a speed guy. He misses guys miss him. I mean, he he's very Barry Sanders like where it's not just a physical trait that he has. He has the vision and he has the, you know, I don't know if teams will look at his success last year and put more resources into stopping the Ravens. Cause that's really what it takes. It's not really, um, you know, the, the tape is one thing, but I just think that teams have to build a little bit, especially those teams in the North that have to play them twice and they have to battle them for a division and stuff like that. You know, you've got to kind of some same way that the teams in the West kind of have to tweak their roster a little bit to match up with the chiefs. They've got to kind of do that with the Ravens specifically. And um, it's just, it's a testament to how they've built it. If I told you that the Baltimore general manager's name was Eric DaCosta, would that ring a bell to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does actually. It does, but I would never, I would never have pulled that out without, without looking it up. Yeah. Same for sure. Obviously. Uh, but yeah, uh, Baltimore, I think uh, at least for the next several seasons, there are the NFL has a way of kind of being cyclical and teams will rise and fall quicker than you expect them to. Uh, but I do think that for the 
the current landscape of the AFC, um, Baltimore clearly is head and shoulders above all those other teams. We could have an argument for, um, I know that you had mentioned to me on the side that new England should at least be, we should at least give them a kind of shout out in this list, because even though they wouldn't necessarily have Tom Brady next year, they would still have Bill Belichick. And that's good enough to where, you know, you could slot in just about any free agent quarterback in there and they're probably going to make some noise. Yeah, I mean Tom Brady's a system QB, so exactly. it doesn't matter who their doesn't doesn't matter who their quarterback is. Um, yeah, I I do have New England as an honorable mention, but I think it really just depends on how long Belichick continues to coach. Like clearly, whatever they do at QB, Brady Brady's a couple years away from retirement at most, and the rest of the roster too is just old it's just Mm -hmm. old it's just an old team in general and Belichick is I think 77 or 78 so he could retire from coaching or not not 77 or 78 excuse me that's I was gonna say six I think 67 or 68 I was gonna say I think 68 for this upcoming season uh I was thinking of our presidential candidates you know Mike Bloomberg Joe Biden I was actually just about to make the joke that he's just about to the right age where he can retire and run for president uh but he's actually still got (laughs) a decade to go (laughs) before he's eligible to do that. Ugh. Ugh. What a mess. What a mess. Um, but yeah, I mean, Belichick is incredible and he's always going to put competitive teams on the field as long as he's there. You know, honorable mentions, uh, I thought about Cleveland. Yeah, you know, they obviously had a ton of hype coming in last year. I don't, I'm actually really interested to see what they do with possibly some competent coaching uh, from Kevin Stefanski this year. You know, whether they can kind of get get back on track a little bit, still have a talented roster there. What does John Dorsey have to, by the way? I, I have know no total idea. segue, but what, like, what is he doing? Like where, where, where is that guy gone? Well, you know, he kind of, he kind of rolls into town like the music man and fires <laughs> people up and then, and then he's gone. And uh, he is a former general manager right now. This is his official title. So he's Perfect. probably, He's probably thinking about who else he can freak out about billiards in another city somewhere in the country. So it's going to be great. It's going to be great when John Dorsey, John Dorsey is going to reemerge here, like probably in the next year or so he's going to reemerge with another team. He's going to come in just like the music band, like you said, you know, (laughs) fire a bunch of people up. He's going to probably draft some pretty controversial players, probably burn a bunch of cap space. And then he's going to get fired and right off into the sunset again. It's not a bad gig. It's not a bad gig. It's not. I, John Dorsey has a pretty sweet life, if we're being honest. Let's talk about the NFC real quick. Um, obviously, not a true rival to the Chiefs in the sense that, you know, it'll just be our opponent in the Super Bowl. I don't really see a a perennial Super Bowl contender among any of the NFC teams because, you know, there there is no Patrick Mahomes in the NFC. I mean, there's no Patrick Mahomes in the AFC either. Um, but at <laughs> there's least there's, there's Lamar. Well, there's one. And then there's Lamar. I mean, Lamar is also, you know, a young MVP on a rookie contract. And you've got Deshaun Watson. I mean, those three guys, those are the three best young quarterbacks in the NFL. And they all play in the AFC. Um, there really isn't a guy like that in the NFC right now. I mean, Wentz certainly showed some potential. And so you could, you could make an argument for the Eagles, but since they won the Super Bowl, you know, they haven't really done anything of note. They've snuck into the playoffs a couple of times and gotten bounced. Um, you know, the any dimes. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. Yeah. You've got, uh, you know, you've got the, Dak. 
Yeah, well, you've got Dak. I mean, the Cowboys, I, I don't know. We'll see how they do with Mike McCarthy. You've got, obviously, Green Bay, and you've got the 49ers. You know, you've got New Orleans. But all of those teams, while they were very good, I mean, those teams all won 13-plus games in 2019. You know, Rodgers is on the wrong side of 35. Uh, Breeze, obviously, you know, I mean, he's got maybe one or two seasons at most. And Jimmy Garoppolo simply is not that good. Um, so long-term, those teams' quarterback situations are very unsettled. I'd almost say if I had to pick, I'd probably go with the Seahawks. I don't love uh, I don't love Pete Carroll as a head coach. I think he's mm-hmm. very backwards. Uh, shout out to Seahawks Twitter. Uh, ben Baldwin. Yeah, they they love Pete Carroll, and by that I mean they hate Pete Carroll. <laughs> uh, Seattle's just one of the most conservative teams in the league. I mean, let Russ cook. You know, hashtag let Russ cook. Uh, but I, I mean, Russell Wilson is good and he's only 30 years old. I mean, I think that's where the conversation for the Seahawks kind of starts and ends. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I was thinking of, I first started to think of young quarterbacks, obviously Kyler Murray is out in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, looked pretty good, but Arizona doesn't have enough pieces around him to be close to considered the number, any number team in the NFC. But um, the only other team that I think roster wise, coach wise um, stacks up is new Orleans. I thought that they um, were the biggest threat to the chiefs in this past playoff from the NFC side. And fortunately for chiefs fans everywhere, uh, Kirk cousins decided to be good. Kirk cousins for once. And you like that? Off. You like that? We loved that by the way. We did. Um, yeah. But, you know, New Orleans has a 41-year-old quarterback that, uh, although Drew Brees did, I think, either unofficially or now maybe officially say that he's going to be back this year with New Orleans. So that does give them a one more year on that window. Uh, obviously, Kamara's good. Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL. Sean Payton is a pretty good coach. They, they've got enough pieces there to where if I think about who is probably standing in the way of the Chiefs in the Super Bowl next year, I think it's probably New Orleans again. Uh, however... I feel like rivalry is more than just about who's in the way. And San Francisco, we're developing a little bit of a fun rivalry Mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. Um, They obviously have the young uh, roster. And, you know, the D Ford thing kind of created a little bit of animosity even before the Chiefs played. Uh, The injury of Did you hear that he might be cut? D Ford? Yes. No way. I don't know what the source for that was, but I heard that they – I just read today that they really want to keep Eric Armstead and For sure. they, there are some possible cuts that they could make. And I think it would be very surprising. Like I, I, I don't think that this was all just speculation, I think by a beat writer, but you know, the way they structured his contract, they could cut him, you know? Man, that would be uh, pretty surprising considering they flipped a second-round pick for him. It would and, be surprising. And one year later, they cut him? And how much would that suck for D Ford to basically no lose your team a chance at the Super Bowl, get traded, lose the Super Bowl, <laughs> and then get cut? I mean, that would be that would be. Rough. He's going to have to strap on his job helmet, squeeze down into a job <laughs> cannon, and yep. fire off into job land again. <laughs> he sure will. <laughs> how do hobos fit all that stuff into a bandana? <laughs> <laughs> So who was your, Oh, you, you said Seattle. Yeah. So we've kind of got our, we've kind of got our rivals. We've reignited the rivalry. Across we've the reignited NFL. the rivalry. We have, we want to talk a little bit about where we think some of these quarterbacks are going. Yes. Because we've kind of already been talking about it. A couple of them. Sure. 
so yeah, let's let's just jump into it. I know you have a list, so let's let's talk. Uh, I quarterbacks. do. So I kind of picked the top two quarterbacks for every team next year, just to kind of get a whole lay of the land, look at some of the even some of the backups that were free agents this you year. Are nothing, just wanted to, if not thorough. I I love my spreadsheets. You know, that was uh, basically I I realized that I could make a quarterback spreadsheet, and that's kind of that's that's what I like doing. So uh, I'm gonna real quick hit uh, all these teams and give you my top two, and we can talk about any noteworthy quarterbacks. Yeah. So um, in Arizona, we had Kyler Murray is obviously the starter, age 23, looked great. Uh, their backup is a um, it's a moving target situation right now. Um, I had Trevor Simeon going from the Jets and signing a backup deal with Arizona there, but it could really be any veteran that um, Cliff Kingsbury feels like, you know, would be a good influence on Murray, I guess. Yeah, and I did just want to add very briefly, I uh, I like that you shouted them out in our NFC segment because I wasn't going to put them certainly, you know, from a, a mediocre team last year to perennial Super Bowl challenger to the Chiefs in the AFC or the NFC, but I do like what they're doing there. So yeah, yeah, agreed for sure. Um, the Rams have got Goff and Bortles. Poor guys paid Goff way too, Oof. way too much, and they're stuck. Ugh, with him and for their a while. backup is Blake Bortles. And so. their backup is Blake Bortles, and they could obviously do something different there and push Blake Bortles out or trade him or whatever. But that's kind of their their quarterback situation. Not really much to say there. The Rams have hilarious cap situations, and it starts and ends with their quarterback right now. Ugh. Uh, Seattle has Russell Wilson, and then really no one else. Um, I thought it could be interesting if they went after Jordan Love. Um, I feel like Seattle could be looking for an heir apparent to Russell Wilson. I know he's 32, but, or at least a young backup with some upside. So uh, I thought maybe since they don't have a backup quarterback there right now, uh, drafting one might be pertinent for them. You know who they should get is uh, that guy who plays quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks, Jordan Te'amu. Te'amu, he's awesome. Yeah, he should you know, get a look somewhere. You well, think? I mean, he's. Uh, I'm always so intrigued by guys, by teams that have kind of dual threat quarterbacks and what they do at backup. Obviously, the uh, the Ravens have RG RG3 kind of mm-hmm. as their backup. Uh, and, you know, with us, I mean, whatever, we have Matt Moore as our backup. Like, you can't, you can't, there's nobody that is similar to pat but you know maybe a guy that can run a little bit uh you know somebody that could kind of come in and obviously he's not going to run the offense like russell wilson would run the offense russell wilson's not really as much of a runner as he used to be but it could be kind of fun it would for sure and really any of these xfl guys we haven't been talking about them as a prospect but like pj walker could play in the league i think as a backup i mean he's yeah. been lighting it up with for houston right now and he should at least get a camp invite somewhere i would yeah, I agree. imagine i agree and that's kind of the whole point of starring in the xfl i would think yeah i mean matt mcgloin got a camp yeah. invite from us and he <laughs> got benched in the he's xfl terrible. he's terrible so uh finishing out the nfc west we have the aforementioned san francisco uh 49ers and uh garoppolo's backup is nick mullins right now he is a free agent but i kind of feel like um, he started some games with them and they had a pretty good relationship. So I just had him re-signing a deal with them, but they don't really have a backup situation behind Jimmy G, which is interesting. He's 29. He's kind of been, he's won a lot of games, but I don't quite know. I guess San Francisco has got to like him. He just won the NFC for him this year, but ugh, I don't. Have you been, have you been plugged into the Brady to the 49ers rumors at all? <laughs> I saw it come across and I laughed. I didn't really, I wouldn't call it plugged in. Uh, I mean, what's, what's the story there? Well, the story is they can move on from Jimmy G with, uh, without a lot of cap ramifications and he's not 
that great. I mean, he's fine. He's not. Yeah. He's he's 29, and you know maybe they're interested in bringing in the older, more proven model. You know, the original Jimmy G, Tom Brady, <laughs> still going at 43 years young. Uh, That'd be fine for me. I, I I think it would be. I think it would be interesting. What what is so fascinating to me, and we'll get into this with some of the other teams. What fascinates me about this whole quarterback switching situation is that there are teams that have pretty good rosters that could potentially plug in, you know, a short-term solution at quarterback and maybe make a run. Now they're picking a bad time to go the, you know, stopgap old quarterback route because they're going to have to tangle with tangle with us. And that's probably not going to go great for them. Sharks. Yeah, exactly. They're going to have to jump in the tank with a couple of sharks like us. Not a great, not a great situation, but uh, yeah, so that kind of takes care of the NFC, uh, the NFC West. NFC West, yeah. Um, and then I'm going to move to the North real quick. Obviously, it's really awkward in Chicago right now with Mitch. Um, oh, yeah, super it's, awkward. They've, they have – pace has been 100% behind him so far, said that we plan on Mitchell Trubisky being our backup. That being said, you know but they're being, not going to sit on their hands. Being mean. our quarterback. Being our quarterback, yes, yes, our starter. <laughs> uh, but they're 40, not going to sit on – slip there from Yes, I, I just assumed <laughs> that he's going to be the backup by the end of the year. Uh, I know they're going to bring somebody in, probably a veteran, one of these guys that has had some tread on the tire. I kind of felt like Andy Dalton would be a good fit there. Uh-huh. Not necessarily as an upgrade, but just as a pushing Mitch to you know understand that if we want to bench you, we have a guy that's at least started a bunch of NFL games in the past. So I kind of thought that was a nice landing spot for Dalton. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the uh, Around the NFL guys have something called the Dalton line. Which, yes. uh, where Andy Dalton represents like a league, a perfectly league average QB. And I think, I mean, Andy Mitch Dalton, on the Dalton line. Is he below it? He's definitely below it. Yeah. And I, I think Andy Dalton is he he's not the tide that raises all the boats. He's he's just he is as good as the surrounding cast and supporting cast is going to be for him. So, uh, you know, there was a, a year um, where I think it was maybe 20, 2015 where he was a legitimate MVP candidate. He got injured towards the end of the year. He obviously, the Bengals ended up losing in the first round of the playoffs in that ridiculous game with the Steelers where like everybody got ejected. Yeah. Um, But he could be pretty good with the right cast. I would really, like, I feel bad for Matt Nagy, man. Like, I I just want him to have even an average QB just to kind of play around with. Because we saw, I mean, Alex Smith, probably uh, certainly an above average QB, but it's not like Alex Smith was Patrick Mahomes out there. Alex right? Smith's kind of Andy Dalton. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I don't want to besmirch. I don't want to no. besmirch Alex Smith, but like he kind of is though. And yeah. I think Matt Nagy could do some pretty interesting things with, uh, with Andy Dalton. So I, I, yep. I like that. I like that. Yep. Uh, the Packers obviously are set with Rogers, although at 37, they probably need to start thinking about the future. They should for sure. Uh, their backup right now is Tim Boyle, who I, didn't know without looking up because I forgot that uh Tim Boyle is the guy over three years at UConn Tim Boyle threw 59 uh no he threw 133 82 and 60 pass attempts in his three years at UConn so all told about 270 pass attempts at UConn his YPA was like 4.5 and he had a one to 13 touchdown to IMG ratio. <laughs> now in, I remember Tim Boyle. <laughs> in college at UConn. <laughs> and he's a backup NFL quarterback. To Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. 
His completion percentage was below 50%, Taylor. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we have, we had a long conversation about Tim Boyle. <laughs> we did was, during the preseason. It, it was so um, – I, I had completely pushed his name out of my memory, but you are absolutely right. So that that is the quarterback situation in Green Bay. Sounds like they need a backup quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure they do. Uh, Detroit's a really interesting one to me because yeah. – Stafford's 32. He had the back situation. He was picked number one overall. He's always put up numbers, but he's never won anything. Um, they they seem like they've got some pieces for sure. Um, I think that they could, with maybe a quarterback upgrade, make some noise in the NFC, but I don't know if they're prepared to make a quarterback upgrade. Matt Stafford, to me, has – he – even when, when Patrick Mahomes got drafted, he was kind of like the floor for me. I was like, look, you take a nice. a very physically talented quarterback and stick him on a pretty bad team, and you never really completely iron out his mechanics, and you kind of just let him go. That's kind of what Matt Stafford's career has been. Guy is obviously extremely talented. Uh, I really wonder what his career would have been like if he had been drafted into the same situation that Pat was drafted into. I mean, I, I'm not saying that he would have been Patrick Mahomes, but I think he would have had a really good career uh, had he kind of been drafted in a similar situation instead of being drafted into, you know, a team that went 0-16. Uh, I, I do think they're at a really interesting crossroads. And I think this is a really interesting draft class uh you know there's kind of there's obviously the top two guys and some pretty obvious teams that are in need of those two guys but you know a a guy like Jordan Love a guy like even like Herbert or like Jake Fromm out of Georgia you know some some middle tier quarterbacks sort of some interesting prospects developmental guys or even a guy from the XFL not that that they're necessarily going to be starter material but there definitely are some situations around the league and I think Detroit is one where you definitely the team needs to start thinking about what the long-term plan is completely agreed he's 32 he's it's not you know it's not getting a whole lot younger there um I almost slotted Teddy Bridgewater in as his backup there um I ended up putting him somewhere else but David Blow Blau Blau is his backup and uh you know he lost his five games that he started last year so I don't think they are really probably too enamored with him uh they probably could could use a backup in detroit or maybe even a starter maybe they want to flip him i saw um i think it was josh webb projected him to go to the raiders in a trade as just kind of screwing around um projecting quarterbacks and that would be interesting it, it would be extremely interesting for sure he had stafford going to the raiders and then the raiders flipping car to washington it was funny it was just good you know these dominoes are are gonna fall and they are going to push other guys to fall the places that we don't expect. And they are, you know, this landscape is a, about as topsy-turvy going into the offseason as I can remember in a long time. We probably say that most offseasons, but it certainly feels that way this year. Um, Minnesota has got Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins in the last year of his deal, though. In the last year of his deal, right? Uh, do you know the backup quarterback in Minnesota? Is it, is it Matt Castle? Nah, it's Sean Mannion. I just okay, didn't know if you'd right. ever heard his name. No, Matt Castle. Uh, I have heard of Sean Mannion. He was actually the he was the Rams backup previously, I believe. Yeah, he was. That's right. Pre pre Bortles. Yep, he's there in Minnesota now. Uh, Minnesota's probably got to at least keep their eyes on the market, but probably not this year. I would imagine. Uh, and that's the NFC North. Um, the NFC East has got Danny Dimes in New York. Seems pretty set there. 
um, not yeah. really much of a situation to worry about for them. Uh, you know, he fumbled a lot, uh, but he started off real, real successful. And I think that with a little bit of polish and maybe some better weapons around him and stuff, um, he could be a good, good, competent quarterback. Didn't really see much out of him that concerned me. Yeah, he could be okay. Yeah. They've got some dude named Alex Tanny as their backup, some 33-year-old behind Daniel Jones. So, like, because Eli retired. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe they want to bring in a vet of some kind. But uh, Well, it's time for Danny Dimes to complete his transformation into new Eli. You know, they, yes. He, yes. He's been they look training, identical. He's been training for a full year to really <laughs> capture, you know, Eli's essence and just step right into the role of Eli Manning. It's uncanny. It really is. It's hilarious. It's honestly, yeah. it's so funny. Uh, Washington's really interesting to me. Yeah. They, they had, um, now free agent potential retire candidate in case Keenum. Um, they benched him for Dwayne Haskins who they drafted high and they, I don't know, Haskins kind of had his rookie bumps and definitely seemed like he was a little overmatched at times, but you get a guy that young and he started seven games for him and you feel like, you know, they probably would be bailing on him a little soon if they immediately went to another quarterback this yeah. year, but they also have the Alex Smith situation. Yeah. So like if Alex, who is 30, going to be 36 by this season comes back and can play quarterback. I just don't know. I don't know what they would do. I don't know what I would do. Um, it's kind of a weird situation. They've got like a young guy. That's not very good. An old guy that was pretty good, but is really hurt. And another old guy that retired. So what do you do in Washington? Yeah, and, you know, Ron Rivera's been pretty non-committal, I think, about uh, about Haskins. You know, Haskins, it's pretty tough to – I think it's so hard to judge young quarterbacks. Um, I, I think of Jared Goff, his rookie year with the Rams, and then we kind of have come full circle on Jared Goff because now – He's looking, he sucks again. He sucks <laughs> again. He was terrible, and then he got Sean McVay, and he was good, and then he's he's bad again. Um, but you know, they fired Jay Gruden midway through the year, and when you have an interim head coach come in, I'm always so curious. I wish I could be a fly on the wall to know, like, what realistically an interim head coach can change. You know, like you're in the middle of a season, like you yeah. you have a playbook that you spent an entire off season learning, you can't just change the whole playbook, right? Like you might change how you call plays, but the plays are pretty much what they are. Um, but Bill Callahan, the interim head coach, they became much run heavier. They were just pounding the ball. And I wonder, you know, what Ron Rivera might do kind of what that offense might look like. Um, I know he's brought in kind of a, some interesting assistant coaches and, probably is going to have a pretty different offensive game plan from what Jake Rudin was running. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what Haskins does. I, I kind of think that, that this year they sit out, you know, drafting another quarterback because it's not like the Cardinals, you know, the Cardinals are, are the really the only example that I can think of where you drafted a first round QB and then you were immediately like, I'm out, I'm out, bail, bail, <laughs> bail, pass, pass, super pass. Um, but they had the number one overall pick and they had Kyler Murray on the board and the Redskins obviously aren't in that situation. I mean, they, they're picking at number three, correct? Number two yeah, this year. But I mean, like you yeah. said, if they sit out on a quarterback, they're probably not going to be very good next year. Yeah. Right. Dwayne exactly. Haskins. They probably can bank a top six or seven pick at the worst. Yes. So, I mean, I think it's probably the right call there to just kind of take a year off, 
learn Ron Rivera's system, get Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin on the same page. They've got some pieces. I mean, they could, they could be all right. Yeah. But you yeah. Know, they're the Redskins. So they probably will not. Be. We've spent way too much time talking about the Washington Redskins. I agree. Never again. We're never going to mention them on the podcast for the history. <laughs> Perfect. Of it works. The rest of it works for me. <laughs> uh, Philly real quick. Wentz. Um, I put Mariota backing up here just as a kind of change. Oh, of that'd pace. Be fun. Um, two guys that kind of gotten hurt on their own but maybe if you put them together between the two of them they could finish out a season I don't yeah know, but, you uh, if you put two of them together you got one whole qb <laughs> yeah exactly uh you know wentz has had the high ceiling of mvp caliber play but just hasn't hasn't done it when they needed and hasn't stayed healthy and uh mariota's got to go somewhere just kind of kind of threw him in there as a uh nice little fit yeah i think that'd be fun yeah uh dallas should resign dak i would be blown away if they didn't um but stranger things i suppose have happened but assuming dak comes back he's their obvious uh everyday starter there and then uh i put old texas boy colt mccoy who's going to be a free agent um, oh, fun. Com- coming in there to back up dak prescott uh you know they don't really uh right now it was cooper rush as their backup but i think he's a free agent as well so just kind of you know we'll we'll hook them horns rivalry back together yeah that'd be fun uh the falcons the falcons have 35 year old matt ryan and then 36 year old matt schaub so yeah matt and matt yeah and old and oh 39 year old i had my oh my gosh dyslexically upside down so um you know i think schaub is probably a pretty good retire candidate i haven't heard that out of him but at 39 and not starting i don't know why you'd check in to the nfl every day for that matt schaub was my fantasy qb when I was playing fantasy football in college and that was like 10, unfortunately for us forever. Ago. Yeah. 10, <laughs> 10 plus years ago. Yeah. Whenever Matt Schaub last had a good season as an NFL starter, that's when he was my fantasy QB and it was a long time ago. Yep. So assuming he does retire or at least isn't even enough on the radar to be a backup. Um, I was looking at uh, Kyle Allen, the Carolina quarterback that started he ended up starting about uh, 12 games last year and um, you know, he's got some talent. He's only 24. Uh, I think he might be a nice little fit in there with Matt Ryan to kind of learn some stuff and uh, you know, might be a nice, they've got the old starter and then they could bring in some sort of youth, youthful backup. So he was my pick there to uh, back up in Atlanta. Sure. Then we've got uh, the saints, which obviously that's uh, just going to depend on how long Drew Brees wants to play for. Yeah, it is. And I assume Taysom Hill comes back there, not really as the backup quarterback, but I do think that since we're talking about quarterbacks um, and he is a free agent, I, I, the fit there makes a lot of sense. So I would bring him back there and I put Bridgewater. Uh, you'll see where I take him in a second. Um, Carolina has non-free agents, Cam Newton and Will Greer, both of which had have had a little rocky uh, history with the team recently. Cam should be back and should be the starter, but um, I don't know. I've seen some people think that he might be a trade candidate. What do you think about Cam? I think it depends on his health. Uh, it seems like Matt Rule probably wants to keep him in the building, see how healthy he is. What I've heard is that there's some concern that he he's not healthy enough to trade, uh, but he's not injured enough for them to basically kick him to the curb and you know, void what they can void out of his contract. I mean, I, if I were Matt rule, I'd want at least a year to kind of, to kind of run him up. They've been linked to some trade talk, maybe moving up for a quarterback. I mean, I think 
I think it would be interesting to see them make that move and, and put a guy behind Cam. Certainly, you got a new head coach, so you think he probably is going to want, at some point, is going to want his own QB. But, uh, yeah, an interesting situation to keep an eye on for sure. Yep. The last NFC team that we will discuss is one of the big quarterback pickups, at least in my opinion. I think Rivers to Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I've heard that. I think Rivers to the Colts maybe makes a little bit more sense because their offense is – so Tampa's offense is a little bit more deep passing based and that's kind of where their talent lies. Uh, whereas Indy is much more of that, like check down intermediate, you know, intermediate short passes uh, a lot more of that. Now, obviously they have, you know, they have T Y Hilton. Um, they certainly have, you know, a deep threat player that they could, could throw the ball to rivers arm is cooked. I, I think, it would be kind of interesting to see him throw to those two guys. I mean, they have, you know, God, Godwin and Evans. I mean, that's as good a one, two wide receiver punch as there is anywhere in the NFL. Absolutely. But on the other hand, Rivers has for sure already enrolled all 14 of his kids in school in Tampa Bay where he moved his house to. Fair enough. San Diego. <laughs> Fair so enough. like, he's not going to pull them all out of school again and go all the way to Indianapolis. That's he's set. He's in Florida. I think Jameis maybe is coming back. I mean, Arians basically said, we'll see what's out there, which is basically like, we'd love to upgrade the quarterback position if we can, but we just don't know what's going to happen. Jameis ain't coming back, buddy. I I mean, well, then let's go nuts saying where Jameis is going to go. Because I I mean, Jameis is fun. I I like Jameis. He's really fun. I like him as an NFL personality. I'm glad that he exists. But – we can roll 30 and 30 AFC. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's insane. Oh, it's uh, incredible. I, I did slot him into the aforementioned Colts. I thought really? that, that was uh, really, th- yeah. You know, I think that he, Oh, that'd it, be fun. I would some, love that. He has a ton of skill, a ton, regardless of the other stuff that, you know, his kind of interception, happy numbers and all that stuff. Dude is really talented. And the Colts with all of that capital, not only do they have draft capital, they have cap room capital. I mean, they yes. are, they can spend some money. Yes. I mean, maybe AJ green, maybe, you know, they could get real weird with it. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that if you're going to bring in a guy like Jameis Winston, you know, he's, he's probably the most skilled free agent quarterback on the market. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, just I mean, in terms of raw talent. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Indy's not afraid to make a splash move by any means. And I just kind of thought that, uh, we were talking about them as, you know, potential um, AFC rival with the Chiefs. And if they brought in a guy like Jameis who kind of figures some stuff out and and has a good coaching staff and a good defense and stuff like that, I mean, he could be real, real trouble for the Chiefs. You know, I actually – I mean, I've heard no indications at all that the Colts would be interested in Jameis Winston. But I kind of do – like that idea a little bit so they brought in you know Tampa brought in Bruce Arians and Bruce Arians I think his reputation you know I mean he runs a a very vertical offense certainly encouraged a lot of downfield shots and to some extent sort of allowed Jameis to be Jameis for better or for worse mostly for worse you know Frank Reich really he gave Andrew Luck probably the best season of his career and I don't, I don't know if people really realize this about Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck kind of had, uh, I'm going to regret saying this, but he was almost a little bit of a John Elway of his generation mm. type, like where people, you know, he was a super hyped college prospect. He went one overall. He dragged some kind of bad teams to playoffs, dragged, 
I'm going to put that in hand quotes, but like his, his passing efficiency numbers were honestly never quite on par with his reputation as a quarterback until he got Frank Reich for that one glorious year before he decided to call it quits and hang up the spikes. And I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Frank Reich's offense is, is much more, you know, it does a good job of eliminating mistakes. I don't think Bruce Arians offense is that way. And so it would be kind of interesting to see if they could maybe rein some of that out of him. I don't yeah. know. Could be fun. Yep. Could be for sure. Uh, Houston, we don't really have to touch on. It's Deshaun Watson and AJ McCarron. That's pretty, sure. um, you know, pretty set in stone there. Uh, Tennessee and Jacksonville are both extremely interesting. Uh, we'll start with Tennessee, which has really no quarterback. Um, Tannehill and Mariota, they're two on their roster, both free agents. I do think that the Tannehill marriage works pretty well. And so I don't think anyone would be shocked to see them bring him back on a new deal. Yep. Um, I think everybody really liked him there. Uh, you could really toss any backup quarterback you want in there behind him. Um, Brett Hundley was the backup in Arizona last year, and he's a free agent. So maybe a guy like that, 27-year-old, not very good. But, you know, they'd probably ride or die with Tannehill there. Um, really the more interesting of the two is Jacksonville to me. Yeah. Jacksonville, I don't know what you would really do um, with Foles, who you're paying a lot, but he got hurt. Then 23-year-old Gardner Minshew comes in, everybody, Minshew season, Minshew magic, all that stuff. He was a lot of fun. He was pretty good. Um, I don't know. I kind of did something weird here when I was moving all the quarterbacks around, and I shipped Foles off. So I have Minshew starting with Jacoby Brissett backing him up. Well, you got real weird with it. <laughs> well, you where know. Did, where did you ship Nick Foles to? Well, um, uh, I suppose he could come up or we could talk about him in a second. Uh, he's on oh, the team okay. of the AFC right. East, okay. but, uh, yeah. Um, I thought that, uh, Gardner Minshew is good enough that I think that he, that Jacksonville would be comfortable enough moving forward with him and getting that Foles money off their roster. But I don't know. Hard to say. It is. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think that's fair. So is that, is that everybody in the NFC South or the AFC South? That is the AFC South, correct. We'll, uh, we'll move on to another division here. Let's go ahead and hit the North real quick. It's not really a ton going on there. Uh, Lamar and RG3 back, you know, in Baltimore. Uh, sure. Nothing, nothing noteworthy there. Uh, since he seems pretty slam dunk that they're going to move on from Dalton and draft Joe Burrow number one overall. If they don't do that, it should create a bunch of waves. But I think that that seems to be the consensus around the league. Agreed? Yeah, I mean, if it it, it seems like – they're for sure drafting a quarterback or yeah, there's maybe the slightest bit of controversy over whether Joe Burrow would play there, whether they would prefer maybe somebody like Tua to Joe Burrow, but like I think an Eli I, situation. Yeah. Like, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I think what I, what I heard last week during the combine, I don't remember who said this, but basically somebody had talked to a Bengals executive and they pretty much said, if we don't draft Joe Burrow, they're going to burn the stadium down because he's an Ohio Ooh. guy and they're in a position where they have the number one overall pick. The guy, I don't know if you've looked at Joe Burrow's numbers at LSU. They are hilarious. Video game he, threw, he threw 60 touchdowns <laughs> in a college season and he threw yeah. six picks. Yeah. It's outrageous. He had like a yeah. 70% completion percentage and like 12 yards per attempt. It's outrageous. I don't like to feel or to worry that other people will come along that will challenge Pat for the greatest young quarterback in the NFL. But like, 
Joe Burrow at least had the numbers. I don't know if he's got anything else, but boy, did he have the numbers. I mean, that LSU team was stacked, loaded for stacked. sure. But, but yeah, he could be good. Cleveland has been rumored to be wanting to talk with Chase Daniels, their backup to Baker. So I just had him slotted in there behind Baker. Not really much sure. of a, not really anything going on there. I think Big Ben's coming back, right? All, uh, all signs seem to kind of point to him. Did you see the video of him throwing? <laughs> yeah, I did. Where he looked like Matt Patricia. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah Dude, Big is. Ben creep became like a whole new character after he got hurt. <laughs> yeah, he did. Gigantic he, and a bigger beard than body. Yeah, he he literally became like a meme. And yeah. I'm really curious to see what he looks like when he gets to training camp. I mean, the guy has never been – He the dude is gross, okay? He's, <laughs> he he's put to, on a ton of weight. He needs, he needs to stop, stop cultivating cult- and start harvesting. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. That's an easy one. Big, he definitely Big ben needs, is fat yeah. for sure. He definitely needs to stop taking the size. He needs to stop taking the size pills. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. He's he's definitely a monster. Barely need to stop us. eating chimichangas out of trash bags. The whole yeah, the exactly. Whole he is becoming a chimichanga. <laughs> yeah. uh, his two backups were both the guys that played all year: Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. Um, yeah, they don't. They're not free agents. I don't really know what Pittsburgh's planning on doing there. I don't really care. Um, I don't you know, care either. Steelers suck, but that's yeah. that's the situation there. Yeah, they're bad. Uh, Buffalo's got Josh Allen. Josh. Matt Barkley. So, uh, you know, if I think they're – I think this, the North is about the most stable quarterback situation in the NFL. Yeah, the fair. Buffalo Bills are not in the AFC North, but like, – <laughs> 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 I did Cleveland, Cincy, Baltimore, <laughs> Pittsburgh. I was done. That you was know, it. That, that was actually makes more geographic sense yeah. than the Buffalo actual – Buffalo sounds AFC like North. an AFC North team. <laughs> Buffalo is very – They play like one. They're very to the North, and they do play like an AFC North team. They they are an AFC North team to me from now on. They're they definitely they're NFC, definitely AFC more East North team. than Ohio. Yeah. Right. Like. Right. But they are more East too. Yeah. So that's like. True. Well, eh. That's true. All right. Well, clearly that segue <laughs> to the AFC East was smooth as hell. Yes, so I can't wait to see which AFC East team you shipped Nick Foles to. So just... I think you have a pretty good idea here, <laughs> I, but I'll go ahead and uh, keep going down the line. Yeah. Do uh, it. Miami drafting Tua at fifth overall. I think that marriage has made a lot of sense for a while now sure um they've still got fitz magic who we love and they also still have josh rosen but um man josh rosen he's had a he's had Tyler a tougher... drafted after him and then getting two drafted after him dude just can't catch a break but he's also not very good so like i don't know how many breaks he should catch yeah he's not very good he's played on some really really bad teams Oh, you think Arizona and Miami are bad? Well, Fitzmagic looked okay with Miami. He did. He they looked beat more the than okay. Patriots <laughs> in New England. <laughs> Do you ever have those moments where you just think back? I, I mean, obviously all the time, but like even just today, I popped on Twitter for a couple minutes and some stupid Broncos fan was trolling me. And I'm like, man, bro, we, we won the Super Bowl. You know, it's, it's all here. We're bulletproof. Exactly. Yeah. So Josh it's Allen, uh, Miami yeah. drafting to uh Yeah. So we've got the Jets with Sam Darnold and Luke Falk, whatever. Pass next. I mean, Sam Darnold, fine. He he could be pretty good. Yeah. He's not he could yet, be. but he could be. He probably his odds of becoming pretty good under Adam Gase don't seem like the greatest, but they're <laughs> yeah. they're committed to Adam Gase. So. Says a lot more about Adam Gase than it does Sam Darnold. That's yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So I sent two quarterbacks to New England. 
because uh, because Tom Brady left in free agency, and I they needed to pick up the pieces and you know they satiate their rabid fan base. They've got Jared Stidham, twenty four year old quarterback that if they needed to, I'm sure could be the heir apparent, but he won't be this year because this year they not only traded for Nick Foles, who beat them in the Super Bowl, which is a tough pill to swallow for them. But when you need a quarterback, you need a quarterback. Yeah, and they also signed Teddy Bridgewater him. in free agency. Okay. So they've got a, a three-headed monster of Nick Foles, Teddy Bridgewater, and Jared Stidham to take up the Tom Brady mantle. I'm pretty sure those are all the same guy. So <laughs> you can't prove to me that they're not. That's true. We've never seen him in the same place at the same time. Good point. Um, but – it's going to be a real weird situation for them. And I have a feeling that they're going to screw it up big time. And uh, that starts with just not really having an answer to replace uh, the hall of famer. I think you're dead wrong. You're dead. About wrong. That. You're dead wrong. You're dead wrong. And the reason for that is because new England can win with any quarterback. And I actually can't wait to see them pick up somebody like Teddy Bridgewater and win 12 games. Yeah. Now, obviously, yeah. I don't want them to win the Super Bowls. No. I, I mean, there's a part of me, a really, really, really small part of me, that, <laughs> wants, <them> to. <laughs> that wants Belichick to win a Super Bowl with, like, Teddy yeah. Bridgewater. Yeah. Just, just one to prove that he could have done it all along, and yeah. there wasn't anything special about Tom Brady. He was just a dude. But The goat was inside Belichick all along. Yes, but now that we've won the Super Bowl – and I just want us to keep winning them all, all the time. Yeah. I don't. I don't really want New England to win a Super Bowl. But I think honestly, like uh, I mean, if they brought in Teddy Bridgewater or Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, or Andy Dalton, I mean, I one think, of these idiots. I think they could. They could run it back. So finally, our last four teams that we'll hit here is the quarterback situation in the AFC West. We will start with the most stable and awesome one in all of football. Yes. Mahomes is master of karate and friendship for everyone. Yes. And, uh, you know, can do no wrong. Doesn't really matter who we've got it back up. Um, I slotted in old Jeff Driscoll here just Jeff for fun. Driscoll. Yeah, you Matt just, Moore's a just, free agent. Chad just Henney's gave a us agent. a new backup quarterback for fun. Yeah, for fun. Just screwing around, you know? The, both. You are the master of your own universe. <laughs> I am, but we have no backups right now on the roster. Brett Veach said that one of them will be back. I'd say, oh, me, I missed give, give me Matt Moore. He yeah. said that at the combine, it was just kind of an offhand thing. I think it was more that one of them would be gone. It was more what the implication was. was <laughs> one is coming yeah, back. I'll let yeah. you figure out what happens to the other. One. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, give me Matt Moore. He was he was fun. He was part of the Super Bowl. You well, know, you've he, broken the heart of Jeff Driscoll and all of his loyal family and friends. I mean, Jeff, so. Dris, Jeff Driscoll can play a little bit. I had to start yeah. Jeff Driscoll in our Dynasty League uh, yeah. a week this past year, which was not a, a super fun week for me. But I actually think he had a pretty good game, and I still lost. Anyway, nobody cares about my Dynasty team. So what about the Raiders? So the Raiders, they I kept them with Derek Carr because – that sounds like that's going to be their plan. Sure. But I also picked up Jalen Hurts in the draft. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I like the that. Other, the, yeah, because the other move they could make other than moving on from Derek Carr is drafting his heir apparent while he's still there and trying to win games. You know, light a fire, kind of the Pat Mahomes, Alex Smith situation where maybe some crappy veteran gets a, a hot young quarterback coming in and decides to be good again. I don't know. But um, – Jalen Hurts, I feel like, is going to be a 
decent NFL quarterback. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He definitely he's had the pedigree between Alabama and Oklahoma to really learn a lot from two of the you know, better programs in college football history. So uh, thought that might be interesting for them. Didn't do it because I want them to do it because obviously um, that I wouldn't really be thrilled if they pick up a quarterback, especially one of any note this year. But Yeah, uh, we want them to ride or die with Derek Carr forever. For sure. And heavy emphasis on the die part. Yes, yeah. exactly. But I like that idea for the Raiders because from what I understand, uh, Hertz is probably not going to be – He's probably not going to be a first round pick, maybe a second yeah. or a third round guy. Right. And the Raiders have enough draft capital that, you know, I mean, the 12th it, and the 19th pick in the first round. But there's also the adage that if you, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. I mean, it, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. I think that's, no, that's the, that's the phrase. Yeah. I don't like the phrase, but it's a phrase. Well, but it makes sense though. Right. I mean, like, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna go for the, quarterback you might as well go for the gold you might as well trade up to number 10 and draft Patrick Mahomes and have everybody call you crazy but I kind of like it I mean I think it's um you know sooner or later Gruden is going to want his guy yeah for sure uh Denver I have them cutting and uh then Flacco will retire after they cut him because nobody else will want him and he sucks and he's old hear, hear me out Joe Flacco is going to move to the booth and he's going to get Tony Romo money to become a broadcaster. Well, he won't get Tony Romo money. No one gets Tony Romo money, but Joe, Joe Flacco has the personality of (laughs) like a blanket dead horse. (laughs) I don't know. I thought maybe you had seen some stuff out of him that I hadn't. And I was like, man, I was thinking to myself, I don't remember Joe Flacco being interesting at all. No, he's not. He's a total bozo, and he's not interesting on the field, and he sucks, and he definitely should have retired like three years ago. But I'm glad that he was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos for like six games. Brought me a lot of good memories. Agreed. Agreed. Finally, the Chargers. Um, The the free agent pickup of the offseason is going to be Tom Brady taking up the Chargers mantle. Going out west and uh, pulling a you Johnny know, Unitas, pulling a Johnny Unitas, trying to trying to reignite that franchise and put some butts in the seats in their new in their new uh, stadium. And you know they uh, they don't really have anybody um, around him, which he's going to be used to from his days in New England. Recently, well, they don't have an offensive line, which would be a big adjustment for him. A big adjustment, that's right. And uh, then their weapons are obviously, like we talked about earlier, all going elsewhere other than Keenan Allen, which he'll like. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, Brady to the Chargers makes a lot of sense. Uh, if he's going to go anywhere, that's where I have him picked to go. And then I also have them drafting Justin Herbert. Interesting. Well, that's interesting. So you have, the old they have, you have them spending money on a 43-year-old quarterback, but then also not drafting him any help in the first round. I actually love that. That would be a really compelling human interest story uh-huh. uh, because Tom Brady is going to tell Justin Herbert to fuck off. And he will. Justin Herbert is not going to do anything to help Tom Brady because he's a quarterback, so he'll just be sitting on the bench collecting dust I, I i like that 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 seems like it would be a good situation for the chiefs i could get behind that i i endorse that pretty charger move too huh uh can we close this show out by going back to tim boyle for just one second i mentioned <laughs> i'm sorry i still have his wikipedia page pulled up you can't look away from it can and you? i just glanced down at it again and this has this has to be mentioned so in addition to tim boyle having a one 
to 13 touchdown interception ratio in college at UConn and also having a completion percentage under 50% in college. (laughs) His rushing stats in college are as follows. In 2013 at UConn, he rushed 27 times for negative 73 yards (laughs) with a long of 19 (laughs) <laughs> which means <laughs> which means he at one point had like 26 rush attempts or like negative 100 yards. <laughs> no. Yes. And then in 2014, he rushed 16 times for negative 42 yards. <laughs> and then in 2015, he rushed six times for negative seven yards. No and then way. in 2017 in EKU, which is Eastern Kentucky, yeah. he, he – took a year off from playing college quarterback. I wonder why. Yeah, exactly. He went to Eastern Kentucky and he rushed 19 times for negative 40 yards. So in his college career, he rushed oh. 68 times for negative 162 yards. No. Yes. How many oh, yeah. games did he win? Uh, I do not have that information. I'm thinking about real, real deep kneel downs where he runs back 20 yards and kneels down. Well, maybe, but my guess would be he didn't win a whole lot. No, agreed. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's Tim Boyle, uh, Green Bay Packer. And that was episode four of It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Mm-hmm.